Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. Tonight I want to start with a couple questions for you. What do you think the future of education is going to look like in America over the say, next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? And is it time for us to really consider changing our 19th century industrial revolution education system to make it more appropriate for where we are today, the 21st century. The other thing I want to ask you tonight is how effective has this distance learning situation been for you, the kiddos, your teacher this past spring? How do we improve it? How do we make it better for everybody? Because if you look at recent surveys done by the state of Minnesota and places in North Dakota as well, um, at least the data that I'm seeing, it's kind of mixed reviews on this whole distance learning thing. So. Please share your point of view with us on how that was for you and where do you see the future of education going? I bring all this up because tomorrow, Governor Doug Bergen was holding his Innovative Education Summit. It's going to be online. You can check it out from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. tomorrow on the governor's website. Just go check it out there. And recently, I'm a huge fan of this. I had a fantastic conversation about the future of education with Governor Bergen and also Sal Khan, he's the founder of Khan Academy. Now, if you're not familiar with Khan Academy, please, please just go and Google it. I think it's even KhanAcademy.org, but it is an, an amazing distance learning program. Here's the good news, Mom and Dad, Grandma and Grandpa. It's totally free, totally free, and it's incredible. So I want to share with you tonight just some of the conversation I have with Governor Burgum and Saul Khan uh, about the future of innovative education. And I think you said something at the um, Tuesday press conference that really jumped out to me. We said, look, uh, something to the effect of, hey, classrooms aren't necessarily the most effective thing for teaching. It implies everybody learns at the same speed, which we know doesn't happen. And there's a chance now to maybe let some of those things go. So what's your goal for uh, the Tuesday event? Well, first of all, I just want to you know, share my gratitude with Saul for uh, joining us next Tuesday, along with other great lineup of speakers, uh, both in-state and some of the, the real leaders like Saul from around the country. Uh, it's going to be a great full day. This is the fourth year we've held the Governor's Conference on Innovation and Education. First time that we've done it with a blended model. We'll have a, uh, a live audience of about 100 uh, that will all be uh, doing all of our practicing uh, social distancing and wearing masks as appropriate. Uh, and then we have over a thousand people who've signed up online, uh, educators, school board members, uh, building uh, leaders, district leaders, uh, interested parents from around the state. And uh, still time to sign up. It's free. Uh, Governor.nd.gov. Uh, reserve your space now. We'd love to have you join us both for hearing great keynotes like Saul, but also uh, uh, listening and participating in the breakouts uh, that people will be able to do uh, virtually. But Chris, yeah, on your point, we have to, this is an opportunity. COVID-19 pandemic is really accelerating all of the forces of change that were that are pushing on an educational model that is at least in the united states been largely the same for the last 150 years we're still largely have an industrial model built around buildings built around class classes uh classrooms and then classes that move a progression of grade one to grade two to grade three etc and we have an opportunity to really rethink the space uh the place and the time at which learning takes takes uh, takes effect, because uh, now you've got an opportunity where virtually every uh, person in the United States has got access to a supercomputer in their pocket called a smartphone or called a device, and so we have an opportunity to have access to all of the world's information anytime, any place, uh, anywhere, 
And yet we're still, you know, stuck in a bricks and mortar model. And it's I feel like sometimes we're, you know, we're trying to be uh, do education in the Barnes and Noble world when we, you know, bricks and mortar world as opposed to thinking about uh, online. And that's why it's so exciting to have Saul here because Saul's been on the front edge of this uh, for for such a long time. Uh, and it, and thank goodness the Khan Academy is here because uh, what a resource uh, as we moved in North Dakota, 120,000 students to distance learning uh, in a very short number of days. Governor Burgum, if, if you have questions for Sal, please jump in here because what I'd like to want to do is have you two kind of mind meld together here a little bit because I was just sharing with Sal before you jumped in, Governor, where Minnesota took you know a big survey across the state and asked, hey, how was your response to distance learning? And I know this happened really fast, so we'll get into some of that, but there was about 42% of the parents that, hey, it wasn't a great experience for them. I'm curious what kind of feedback you're getting from parents and administrators in North Dakota and since we're lucky enough to have Sal here, what, what can we do to improve this so that gifted students or students that are struggling or whoever can actually, and I think Sal, one of the things I love about what your mission is, and, and you talk about mastery learning. So if you even wanna to touch on that a little bit and then we'll let the governor share what kind of responses he's getting from families and, and teachers, okay? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know uh, what you're touching on. Th these were these are very, in, in my mind, super important ideas pre-COVID. One, learning should not be bound by time or space. Uh, where you live should not be, you know, should not determine what you have access to, uh, and it, and you should have access to the best stuff out there. I mean, that's what the internet affords us. And then there's this notion of mastery learning and personalization. The best way to think about it. You know, and, and the governor, you know, I think he explained it better than I do. Uh, in a traditional model, the students are moved together lockstep. And let's say we're in a fifth grade math class and the current units on decimals and we have some lecture and homework for a couple of weeks and then we have a test. And on that test, uh, maybe the governor gets a 90%, you get an 80%, I get a 70%. And even though that test has identified gaps in our knowledge, the whole class then moves lockstep into the next concept. And the next concept is probably going to be building on the thing that we just identified gaps in. And those gaps just keep accumulating. And at some point, students hit a wall. You get to an algebra class and that equation has a decimal in it, a negative number in it, an exponent in it. All of those are things that I might have had a 10%, 20%, 30% gap. And all of a sudden, it doesn't make any any sense to me. And you can have the, the most incredible teacher, algebra teacher, and you might be a bright kid, but it's very hard if everyone's moving lockstep to fill in those gaps. And so there's an opportunity with technology. This is all pre-COVID. Uh, and we've always been working with teachers and in support of teachers of how can we allow them to differentiate for 30 kids in their classroom, make sure those kids have their gaps filled. If some kids are ready to race ahead, let them do so. If some kids need to fill in their foundations, let those kids do it as well. And so you can imagine those three ideas of learning not being bound by time or space. Uh, everyone should have access to world-class materials. It should, you should have personalization and mastery. I'd add another layer that's related is that we should go to a competency-based learning where it's the path uh, of how you learn matters less as to whether you learned it or not. All of those are important ideas pre-COVID and I think post-COVID, but COVID uh, puts three underlines around all of them and makes them really necessities. When you say competency learning, what are you, what are you referring to specifically? Well, what's happening now, I'll give an example, and unfortunately it's a, it's a negative data point, but right now in America, 70%, 70% of all kids who go to community college, they have to take remedial math. And remedial math is a euphemism for sixth or seventh grade math. So the community colleges are saying, I know you're 18 or 19 years old. I know you have a high school diploma, but you are not even ready to learn algebra yet. 
And the reason why that's happening is we don't fundamentally have a competency-based model. We have a model where your credits are really based on, okay, you, you, you were there, yeah, you did what you were told for uh, you know, the, the appropriate amount of hours, uh, and then, yeah, you might not know the material, but we'll kind of move you up a little bit. Uh, so you eventually get your diploma, but that's not serving anyone well. These are kids, 70% of American kids, and actually these are kids who are trying to do the right things. You graduate, go to community college. They're, they're taking seventh grade, eighth grade, algebra, geometry, trig, sometimes even taking calculus, and then they, because you haven't had a mastery model, because you haven't had a competency-based model, you get to college and all of a sudden they're saying, nope, go back to start. And so a competency-based model would be less focused on how you do the learning and more focused on whether you got the learning or not. And what that does is it allows for a lot more innovation. So, you know, at a state level or at a federal level, if they said, look, we don't care how you learned it, but if you learn this material, you have met the requirements for the state university system. That can count towards your high school diploma or even to your college diploma. Then it unlocks a lot of innovation. Some kids are going to learn great in your traditional academic model. Some kids will want to do more personalized learning, use online tools. Some kids might just want to study at the library or get tutoring from their friends, uh, but it, it unlocks all of that. So Governor Berger, I'm gonna give you a chance to, to react to that because that's one of the things, and again, if you wanna share what you're hearing from parents and teachers, but that's one of the things I think we've talked about often here in North Dakota is I think it was, and you know this data way better than I do, but it was like 20 or 25% of our kids going into NDSU and UND or whatnot were having to take you know, these basic math class, if you will. So any thoughts on what Sal had to say there and what are you hearing from uh, about distance learning in our great state? Well, I, I just want to say everything that Sal said is music to my ears. These are all of the topics and the concepts that we've been talking about the last uh, three years when we've talked about uh, the needed, uh, you know, transformation, reinvention, reimagining of how we deliver education. And we're so fortunate in North Dakota. I mean, technology is a tool that enables teachers to accomplish the things that, that, that Saul's talking about. And, and again, when we got thrust into distance learning this spring, I just, I wanna share gratitude with all the teachers, all the parents from around the state, all the administrators, school board members. I mean, North Dakota's response to having to go to distance learning uh, was as good as any place in the country. And we're so fortunate also because we made the investments prior to COVID, uh, pre-COVID, we were talking about these concepts. We had some school districts that were already doing the individualized, you know, hands-on, real-world, uh, team-based, uh, personalized learning. And so some of them were able to really move to this model quickly. And then from a technology infrastructure standpoint, I was, I was on a call with some of the other governors uh, the other day. There, some of the governors, or many of the governors, are using their COVID dollars to try to get broadband out yes. and built so that they can reach all the students. And you know, we went through last spring and we identified that it was just about only 1% of the students in North Dakota did not have access to high-speed broadband. And then we had private companies step up and, and offer to offer you know six months free of, of high-speed cable connections for those families. And so literally we were able to get, uh, use the kind of tools to do the distance learning. Another governor said in a call this week that it'll be five years before they build out their broadband to be able to reach all their students. So if they have to fall back into distance learning this year and through some kind of second wave, uh, they're gonna have equity issues that we won't have in North Dakota. So kudos for the vision about the infrastructure and fantastic work to the parents and the teachers. Uh, now we've lear learned a lot this spring. Now we can go in back to in-building uh, learning and be ready for the fact that we may have to uh, face uh, hurdles or steps that we're going to go this fall. And in terms of your question, Chris, I mean, people's reaction to what we had last spring, that wasn't even that wasn't even version one. That was sort of merging of 
version 0.5 emergency. We <laughs> go do business learning. I mean, we've accumulated uh, 120,000 kids times a couple of months of learning uh, where, where we've got literally millions and millions of teaching days where we learned what worked and what didn't work. I know that everybody's working hard on their North Dakota Smart K-12 restart plans. I'm confident that if we have to go back to uh, some distance learning or a blended model that the that the those the school districts and the teachers are going to be better than ever at it uh, and and tools like those that are available from the Khan Academy can be part of those solutions. And I want to get to some of those inequity conversations in a moment, Governor, because I know both you and I have got a heart for our uh, Native American tribes here in the great state of North Dakota. I had a great conversation with Chairman Fox uh, yesterday, and and there was a little bit of a broadband issue. So. Let's table that for a moment, but since you've, we've got Sal here and you've had a chance to get some feedback from teachers and, and administrators, and you guys are both software gurus, if you were to say to Sal, hey, Sal, can we do this to maybe make it a little bit easier and better for some of our students and teachers to accelerate, what kind of feedback would you suggest and what are you hearing from people in North Dakota about the distance learning? Well, I guess I would just turn into a question for Sal, uh, which is uh, you, you were at this game doing all the important stuff pre-COVID. How has COVID changed uh, the strategies of the Khan Academy? How has it changed the level of support? How has it changed the understanding of what you've been working on is really necessary and needed? And uh, just like any organization had to change during the pandemic, I think it'd be fun to hear uh, how you've accelerated your mission. Yeah, you know, as, as, as I was alluding to, it was one of those situations we could have never foreseen, but then when it started to happen, we realized that we kind of had a, you know, essential services uh, kind of role, role to play here. And so immediately, I remember that first weekend, it was in, it feels like a lifetime ago, it was, you know, that, that first half of March, uh, when it was clear that the school closures were going to happen around the country, uh, that's when we said, look, Parents are going to be overwhelmed. Teachers are going to be overwhelmed. They're the first line of attack. They need support. So we started running webinars with thousands and thousands of teachers and parents of how can you do this type of hybrid distance, whatever you want to call it, COVID learning. Uh, then I remember that weekend, myself and many people in our content team, many of them ex-educators, we sat down and said, okay, let's put some structure around this. It's not going to be helpful to tell parents, here's 500 resources for you, figure it out. We would have to, we, we need to make, we have to make them be able to understand what it could actually look like in a day. So we started publishing daily schedules. How can you structure them? Not just to learn math or to learn science, but also when do kids need breaks? How does outdoor work? Uh, how much could you, should you do asynchronously at students' own time and pace on a platform like Khan Academy? And then what's a good use for synchronous sessions on video conferencing? Uh, how can that be done by uh, teachers? And then it, when it became clear that the school closures were a real thing, and by this point, you know, our, our our, our teacher registrations were 10x normal, our student registrations were 10x, our parent registrations were 20x, we'd crossed 100 million users. Uh, we, were, we, we were just trying to keep the lights on, uh, frankly. Uh, uh, you know, as you can imagine, our costs went up as a not-for-profit. We're trying to figure out how to, how to manage that. But when it became clear that, our, that the school closures were going to go on through the rest of the year, we started issuing learning plans. And then this past, back, this past actually, last couple of weeks, we've been working on what we call get ready for grade level courses. Uh, every summer, you have learning loss. Uh, that, that's the time of school closures every year. And we know that that learning loss only increases the variance between kids. Some kids are ready for grade level material when they show up in August or September. A lot of kids aren't. And it's going to be that much worse this year. And so these get ready for grade level courses, these are things that teachers can use first to identify where their kids are. Because as y'all know, a lot of the uh, uh, schools haven't even been able to do any form of assessment because of closures. So they can have the kids take what we call our course challenge on the get ready for say sixth grade course. If the kids do 80, 90%, 100% on that, they're ready for sixth grade. If they get 
40, 50%, then the teacher can say, okay, you need to work on those prerequisite skills, those Swiss cheese gaps you have, and then we can work on grade level. Or if a lot of the students are really, you know, not even doing well in the get ready for grade level, it would, it would then tell the teacher or the school, hey, why don't you spend the first several weeks really making sure those kids have strong foundations and then allow them to learn at their own time and pace. On top of that, we're trying to extend our learning plans for the whole year because we're in a world where traditional curricula uh, don't work that well. You know, traditional curricula assume five days, an hour a day in person, while what we're now talking about is, let's say in a math class, you might get three or four days of 45 minutes on video conference, and then there, a lot of the rest of the work is done uh, at students' own time and pace on, on, on Khan Academy-like tools. Great, great conversation there. Thank you so much to Governor Burgum and Sal Khan for their time and insight. I want to remind you tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. is the Innovative Education Summit. You can watch it online. Sal Khan is going to be one of the speakers there. And if you want to hear more from our conversation, just go to our website, povnow.tv. You can see that conversation in its entirety there. It was about, I don't know, 30, maybe almost 40 minutes about education and where it's going. So fascinating, fascinating stuff. All right, stay with us when we come back. A lot of great points of view from you coming in on a variety of topics. We're going to talk about that and much more coming up right after this. And please share your point of view with us on education, distance learning, future of education. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.